Hey, She Slays listeners. Before we get into the episode, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, the Focus Academy. So you know chiropractic can help kids, but you lack confidence in your knowledge or communication skills to educate parents in your community. I've got a solution for you. The Focus Academy gives you the training and education to understand the why behind those wins and challenges you're seeing in clinic. They teach you how to perform a full brain-based exam, how to go beyond just the subluxation, but stay principled in your chiropractic approach and address and understand the consequences on brain development. They take a two-pronged approach. First, clinical solutions taught in a way that gives you full access to a deeper and more comprehensive understanding and breaks those techniques and approaches down into digestible and practical steps. Second, right now strategies you can employ wherever you are in your training. You'll learn how to seamlessly ask and answer the big questions in your clinical exams and re-exams and have it actually inform the whole child approach and care planning in a way your patients will understand. And since you're a She Slays listener, you'll get free access to the Focus Academy's Kickstart program. Just click the link in the show notes to get started on your journey to improving your practice. She Slayers, and welcome to another episode of She Slays the Day podcast. I am your host, Dr. Lauren Brunslick. Um, okay, so what do we have for updates? And so Kirby and I just took, so we're, we're in December and we're, I don't know if you know this, but my husband is like one of those people, he's one of those people that would put the Christmas tree up middle of October. So around here, we have to have very strict rules. Um, The Christmas tree is not allowed to go up until November 1st. How I enforce this, because the children are on his side, is that if they would like to skip Halloween, we can start celebrating Christmas early. I am very convinced that in a couple of years when they're both like, they're going to turn on me and be like, yeah, let's go ahead. Let's skip Halloween. I'm going to be like, no, no, I don't want that. Um, So we are in the safe season to celebrate Christmas. And... So we live two hours in the middle of nowhere from Minneapolis. And when Kirby and I used to live in Minneapolis, we would go to a theater called the Guthrie and we'd get all dressed up, do a nice dinner um, and go see a Christmas carol. And now that our girls are nine and 11, we were like, well, maybe they're old enough to do this. Um, Spoiler alert. Yes, they are. It was amazing. Uh, But, you know, I had all of that like nervousness of like, oh, are they just going to whine about getting dressed up? And are they just going to complain about the fancy dinner and all of that? Um, And Ty had like a really funny reaction. So we get to the dinner and uh, she, I, Kirby loves oysters. I'm, I'm indifferent. Like I don't dislike oysters at all. Uh, I think they're like a price thing for me where it's like, yeah, sure. If you feel like spending money, buy me some oysters, like, but, um, and I'll kind of enjoy it, but I don't think I enjoy them at like the three to $5 each rate. So anyways, so I'm like, Hey, hon, they have oysters. And Kirby's like, and Ty, our nine-year-old goes, I love oysters, which didn't surprise me because like our oldest likes oysters, but I wasn't really thinking about like, wait, do you? So they order oysters and I... So Ty's about to take it. And I'm like, okay, we're in a restaurant. You have to swallow this oyster, okay? You cannot spit it out. And she's like, no, I like oysters. And I'm like, okay. And so she <laughs> puts it in her mouth <laughs> and immediately regrets this decision. And so she's like holding it in her mouth. And I'm like, just swallow it, just swallow it. But then she starts making the like 
like the gag reflex, like, oh no, she's going to barf. Um, and so I instructed her on how to politely get it into her, um, out of her mouth and into her napkin. And so we were talking and then like Charlie cools a cucumber and she's like, I think she means muscles. And I was like, oh yes, Ty likes muscles. That is, and she's like, yeah, I like those ones, not those gross things. So the family is split on it, apparently. And all right, we are nearing the end of the month. We have best of episodes coming up. So if um, I would love if you looked back through and picked your favorite ones, send me a DM, let me know. Um, we typically pick best of based on, well, you know what? Ugh, this is kind of a secret. Most of December people don't even have a chance of making it into the best of. And that makes me sad because, so like last week we had Dr. Jay LaGuardia, and I think that would have been a best of 2023 episode, but it doesn't have like enough time to get the downloads and like people just listen to it. So it's kind of weird. And then like today I've got Nikki Kattas on and I think that, you know, so it's tough. So anyways, look back through, let me know what your vibes were this year and who you really liked um, and shoot me a DM. Um, yeah, so that's that's what we got. You're also going to probably notice some new advertisers on the podcast this month and next month. Um, I would just like to squash, I'm not going to name names or anything. I just want to squash any rumors that certain people may be not advertising with She Slays the Day podcast anymore. And that's okay. That is absolutely okay. That does not mean that any drama went down. It just means that there's a cycle where sometimes you get the most out of um, return on an investment and then you do something else. But it's also, I'm just very excited because I will always partner with uh, advertisers and sponsors that I really, really believe in. So I love, I've loved everyone who's been a sponsor of the podcast up until this point. And I also am really excited about the sponsors that we have going forward. Um, I think it's always kind of an insight. The, the podcast is always an insight as to like what's going on personally in my life and like what I have on the agenda in 2024. So there's just some, some new ones and there's exciting things happening. Okay. Oh, one more update. In case you're living under a rock. Um, we are in the four to five-ish weeks of the year in which you have an opportunity to get on a discovery call with me, a free call to see if my signature course, The Multi-Passionate Chiropreneur, is right for you. So we did this last year. It's a once a year thing. It is only the end of January through the beginning of April. So this year it starts January 22nd and ends April 5th. So there's not going to be another one until 2025. This year, we are taking 32 Kairos in. Uh, most important thing to know if you qualify, I mean, there's lots of different things, but like one, you need to be the decision maker in your clinic. So you do need to own your clinic. Now, associates, you are like heavy on my heart right now, especially because I feel like one of my goals and missions within chiropractic is to... Um, help associates find amazing opportunities and kind of get over that idea that they have to own their clinic. So I've got things coming for you 
in the future. So don't feel left out. Don't go and like start your own clinic just so you can, you know, do my course. No, um, but the course is kind of where everything is starting with like helping clinic owners get their systems in place so they can provide amazing opportunities for lifelong associates and then also other other retirement options for them, passive income, wealth building, legacy things. Oh my gosh, there's so much stuff in there. So right now we are in the four weeks of selling um, and onboarding where we're allowing those people to get on a call with me and get become one of those 32 spots. So if you are listening from, you know, in the month of December and early January, there's a chance that there's still spots available. Click the link below to get on a call with me and let me know if, you know, this is the right thing for you. So let's jump into our person. Okay. So ironically, okay, so I moved this episode here because I know a lot of people are thinking about price increases in the new year. And so I wanted to squeeze this in before January. Um, but Dr. Nikki Cottis is a graduate of my first year's course, Multi-Passionate Chiropreneur. Um, so if you are curious about what she has to say, stay till the end and she lets you know what she got out of it and highly recommends it. But she's a chiropractor in Gulf Shores, Alabama. She does not have a super thick accent. I kind of wish she did. Um, and she's been practicing for 11 years. She's a business coach for the Black Diamond Club, and she empowers other chiropractors to build successful practices and reach their full potential. Dr. Nikki is not only dedicated to her profession, but also finds balance as a mom and wife. And today we are talking about two different perspectives on ra uh, raising prices in your practice. And I, I guess I wouldn't say two different but just two Kairos who've raised their prices. Um, both her and I raised them in a slightly different scenario this year. And I frequently get questions about price raising. Um, I see a lot of questions on the like Facebook boards on how often you should do it, how much should you do it, how should you tell your patients. And so we are going to answer all of those questions for you. So let's take a breath help regulate our nervous system. Take that nice deep breath in. Even if you can't close your eyes, feel it filling your belly. Hand on your heart if you can. God, as we are in this season of Christmas, it is and can be one of the easiest times of year to see you actually in action all around us. People are giving, people are thinking about others more than themselves. And just let us see you in all of the ways that you are woven into this, this month and the spirit of Christmas and help us extend it. Can we extend it a week? Can we extend it a month? Can we set that as a goal for ourselves to continue thinking about and holding on to that spirit of others? A little longer and just set that goal for ourselves. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, peeps. Without further ado, here's my wonderful conversation with Dr. Nikki Cottis. Enjoy. Okay. So, Nikki, so you and I connected through Multi-Passionate Carpreneur. Um, you coach for Black Diamond Club. Uh and where's your practice again? My practice is in Gulf Shores, Alabama. Yeah. Okay. I thought it was Alabama because your accent doesn't give you away. Um, <laughs> and so from everything that I know about your awesome practice, 
like working with you last year when I kind of, so we did a price increase this year and I don't know how many times we've done a price increase, not as many as we should, but I've had like a lot of people write in questions asking about a price increase. And I was like, I don't feel prepared to answer this on my own. And so I reached out because I knew you have a very similar practice to mine. And I was like, hey, do you want to talk about this? So I have questions for us today. And I, but I do want to like preface to like people um, that like, we're not experts. <laughs> we are just like real people running a practice, a high volume practice, going through it on a day-to-day -day basis and like making errors and learning from them and just giving our two cents. Yes, 100%. Yeah, like, so uh, if you disagree with the advice we give today, you can do that. That's fine. People can disagree with us. Um, but tell tell us a little bit just about your practice, like cash, insurance, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like ratio. Okay. Um, so we're about 80% cash, 20-ish percent insurance, and we only take Blue Cross. So that's the only one that we even bill. We don't bill any out of network. For a little bit of time, we did some Medicare, but we got away from uh, seeing Medicare patients a couple of years ago. And so just- How do you right get away from seeing Medicare patients? When they call, we simply tell them we're not accepting any new Medicare patients right now. Um, so we are like a participating provider with them. So it's also like, let's say someone's mom really wanted to come or something. We still have the ability that if got we it. really wanted to see someone, we could, but we just tell them we're not accepting Medicare patients at this time. Got it. Yeah. I mean, Gulf Shores has got to be, it's like a retirement community Absolutely. too, right? So yeah, yes. you're like, I draw the line. So yes. <laughs> okay. So how many years have you been in practice? I have had my own practice for eight years, eight okay. years. Okay. So is this the first price increase you've done? No. No. So, okay. When I first started, I also come from a background of like a management company. That's okay. basically like, it doesn't matter what your revenue is. It doesn't matter what your profit is. As long as you're saving a world and seeing 400 visits oh. a week, then you're doing a great job. So when yeah. I first started, the only number I cared about was patient visits. Mm, because um, you're nobody, a three. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, yeah, I've, I have, a, I see a lot of people and it didn't matter to me that I wasn't making money until it did matter. Um, because I was literally killing myself. So I started off like, just get people in the door. Doesn't matter what they pay. Doesn't matter if they literally are the worst person in the world, let them come. And then over time, we slowly started to raise our fees. Then in 2022, we actually did two price increases and they were, one was like, a little bit big. And then I felt like the next one was a really big jump, especially if I look back to like, oh my gosh, this is where we started and this is where we are now. Okay. You bring up a very, I'm so glad you brought this up because this, I didn't realize how I was going about this topic in a very like tactical, like a lot of the questions are like, how do you decide how, you know, how do you communicate it? Um, but like, this is a deeply emotional issue for a lot of cash family focused chiropractors. Um, and like, you might be a rehab non-family and you're like, no, I resonate with this too. But like the need 
to like the whole reason that so many Kairos find themselves, myself included, in this situation where you're like, oh, I'm basically paying people to come to me. Like my cost per adjustment is $27 and they paid me 26. Like I paid them a dollar to come to me. You show up. (laughs) From either A, this place of vanity metrics and uh, Christy Wick and Jake Grenacher um, are talking a lot about this right now on Instagram of just like, and I love it. Like I'm totally here for this vanity metrics where it's like, I see this many people a week. And it's like, and can you afford to pay your employees? Like, and all of this stuff. And, but you get to say, I'm seeing this many people a week. So it's either coming from this place of vanity, unintentionally, like I just totally attacked so many people. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. That was where it came from, from me. Like I was a vanity, like I want to be able to be on stage and brag. I'm seeing 500 a week. I'm doing this. And then, or it's coming from this like, super wholesome. I want to save the world and you can pay me whatever you want type of thing. Yeah. I, yeah. Mine was vanity. It was like when my friends who were chiropractors wanted to talk about their practice, I wanted to be able to say like, well, I see 350 a week by myself. Mm -hmm. Cause that's the only question we ask is how big is your practice? Oh, how many people do you see? Yeah. It's never like how many hours a week are you working? Are you fulfilled? Are you happy? Like what's your profitability? What's what's your your take home? Yes. Literally. It's like, I never told anyone that at that time, my office visit average was like $19 Mm -hmm. because nobody asked. It was just like, I'm seeing a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So that's where I got to a point too, where I had in 2022, we had like a five week waiting list for new patients. Um, and it was extremely stressful, but I was also like, well, or 2021. And I was like, well, if I wanted to hire an associate, I couldn't even afford to hire an associate. Yes. That was the turning point for me because I was like, I physically can't see all these people who want to see us and I can't afford to hire someone else to help me see these people. Mm-hmm. So something has to change. Mm-hmm. That is almost the exact situation. Well, you know, like you listen to the podcast, you see like I'm definitely on a, I don't want to say dirty, but like a realization that like, whoa, you've got people like Alan Miner and Cairo matchmakers out there talking about how like associates should be making 70, 80, $90,000. And like, if that punches you in the gut going like, how am I supposed to afford to pay someone that? you might have a profitability issue. And like, that was my moment where I was like, I can't afford to pay someone that. And then it's like, well, what are your, what's your spread? Because with more people becomes a larger overhead. Like you have to move into a literally, you need a larger waiting room. You need more rooms. You need a break room now, because now instead of two CAs, you have five CAs. And instead like, and instead of one scanner, you have two and like the overhead can get out of hand if you're pricing, like, again, some people grow in a great way, like they're, the pricing matches and, you know, but like, if you can really get yourself into this pickle of like, my overhead is outrageous and I can't afford to bring in more help. So like, yeah, I was in a similar, similar situation where we started looking at stuff. Okay. So you did one in 21 and two in 22. Yes. Okay. So how do you, so kind of first question is how do you decide it's time to do a price increase? 
I think for us, that was like, I felt like I was at max capacity of who I could see. So it was like, okay, if we want to continue to serve people and be healthy and take good care of them, we have to like increase our red velvet rope a bit. So not letting everyone in. So where's that like, find balance of still seeing the people you want, but making money. So when we hit that five week waiting list, I wasn't comfortable with that. I was like, I like like a one to one and a half week waiting list. I think that's good. I can see that my books are full. I can see that we have new patients, but people aren't waiting like five weeks to come and see us. So that was for me the first step. And then so first we raised our new patient fee and then we raised our um, adjustment fee too. Okay. So you, do you have different pricing? And I don't even know if this is legal in your state, but like, do you have different pricing for like new active care patients versus like wellness or maintenance patients? No, we have the same fee for everyone. Okay. Okay. And so do you have discounts for like people who commit to coming weekly versus biweekly versus like, I'm going to come once a month or I'll call you? Yes, we sure do. Okay. Okay. So yeah, and that was something that we did. Anytime we raised our fee, we sat down as a team and we were like, Here, here's where we're at. Here's the fee we're going to. What do we do about all these patients who are already committed to a wellness care plan? So we decided keep everyone at their fee. And then it's, I think that's important too, because it's like, it's your practice. And so if there are people that you're like, I don't want to raise their fee. They've been with me for eight years. Don't raise their fee. Yeah. If there's people that- you maybe want to get rid of in the back of your mind and you're like, man, they really wear me out. They just don't like, they're not compliant with their care. They show up whenever they want. You can raise their fee. And that's the glory of it. Like being your practice is you can pick and choose who you want that to affect. So anyone for us that was committed to like a wellness care plan, we kept their fee. Okay. It's so you also, grandfathered them. Yeah. Them. We grandfathered them in. And then that's also been helpful too. If people are like, Hey, if I want to just switch to pay per visit, like, what does that look like? We're like, you can do that. But just so you know, our fees went up in 2022 and it's 30 more dollars than what you've been paying. And they're like, Oh, I think I'll just stick to what I've been doing. And you're right. like, great idea. So, yeah. yeah. So you said something that I think is really important. You talked about, um, you said something about being uncomfortable or, you know, like, and I, that is kind of that first step of if you are, oh shoot, we forgot to do like a legal waiver type of thing. We're not lawyers. We don't know what's legal in your state. If you're a network with insurance, um, you can't necessarily just do whatever you want. So in Wisconsin, especially since I'm only participating with Medicare, not with anybody else, I can do whatever I want with my fees and like Chusa or Cairo Health USA would be like, no, you can't. I'm like, no, I actually can't. Um, yeah. Trust me, I can't. I've talked to lawyers. Uh, but that may not be the case if you're a network or your state. But so if you are comfortable, like I've seen women just be ripped apart on the like women Cairo page talking about fees and like in the comments just being like you deserve more than $40 of visits like I increase my prices every year like basically shaming people for not increasing their fees but like if you do you if you calculate your cost per adjustment and your well what else would you have to basically your cost per adjustment oh yeah and your OVA and you're happy with that spread. So if you calculate cost per adjustment and it costs you 
$27 to deliver that adjustment. Um, and you calculate your average OVA, office visit average, and it's $28. And you are comfortable with that $1 difference in profit that you're making. Get it, girl. <laughs> like, I guess. Um, but I do think there is this moment where, you know, real change and comes from now I'm uncomfortable. Now I'm uncomfortable with that reality. Uh, whatever it is that makes you uncomfortable, maybe your dream building goes on the market and you calculate that you, the bank won't give you a loan because you're not profitable enough or, you know, whatever you can't afford an associate, you can't afford. Um, but basically I think it's kind of that wake up moment where you're like, oh, I'm running a nonprofit. Yes. <laughs> like, I think that's a lot of like wake up moments where you're like, shoot. And if you're comfortable with that, that's okay. There are box on the wall clinics, pay what you want that are super successful. Um, but if you get to that uncomfortable point, like that's when it's probably time to do a price increase. Um, so how did you decide how much to increase? Okay. So I basically had my office manager call around <laughs> to all of the chiropractors in town. Oh, sneaky. Did she do yeah, it from her cell phone? Sneaky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she did it from her cell phone. We called all the chiropractors in town and we were like, Hey, um, I don't have insurance. What would a new patient visit cost? And so we kind of saw what everyone else was paying or charging. And then we based ours off of that. And some people were charging like five or six hundred dollars and I was like well that's what what are people even getting for that but most people were like between 180 and 200 so when we first did our price increase we we're like let's go to 250 and then our second one we went all the way to 300 but you get a lot for that first visit and we were like our value that we provide to us is worth 300 for that visit so we went up to 300 based on what everyone else was charging in town. And then we did the same thing for adjustments. So what is everyone charging? Let's charge $5 more than what the average is. So why did you go more instead of less? I love that because I okay, think, so I think natural intuition would go, okay, you're charging 45. I'm going to charge 44, you know, right? Yeah. I can't say that this was my concept. It's something I learned from uh, one of my coaches, which at the time was Sean Dill from Black Diamond Club. And he basically would talk about the concept of like the joint and then like a boutique practice. And so he said that you can either be the lowest or you can be the highest, but you can't be in the middle because those are the people who most commonly are not profitable and go out of business. So I was like, well, I don't want to go out of business and I don't want to be the cheapest. So I was like, we have to be on the higher end of things because we need to maintain profitability. So that was not my um, idea. It was coaching. And one of his biggest things too, is that like great coaching advice is always counterintuitive. And so when it mm. sounds like, why would you do that? He's like, that's the point of paying a coach because it's not what you would think of by yourself. You're paying someone else to give you these ideas. Right. Um, Alex Ramosi talks about that in his $100 million offers too, of like this idea of race to the bottom. Like you cannot win that game. Like whether you're selling a t-shirt or an adjustment, like you will always be out cheapened. And yes. then- and then like somebody can always come in and be like, well, I'll charge $1 less. And then you're like, well, then I'll charge a dollar less. But then like those businesses just go out of 
business. Yeah. Because so very, very smart. Um, so okay, so how did I I'll answer the question, how did I decide what uh when I kind of already shared of like, you know, we were in a situation where I wanted to be able to pay our current associates. You know, I want to I want to get them to a hundred thousand dollars. That's my goal to get them. And I want to hire a, someone out of school um for more than we could. And so I was like, well, we gotta, we gotta increase something. So we had we had uh it's kind of hard to talk about numbers, not from a vulnerable perspective, but just like making it make sense for people. So the way our clinic works is we have a pretty low new patient fee. We don't do x-rays though. Um, and so it's less than a hundred dollars. And then they start out as an active care patient where their price is one thing. They get a discount for paying upfront and committing to care. Um, and then once they graduate to wellness, then they're in our wellness program and they get access to cheaper, right? So whether they commit to weekly or biweekly. And um, for, I've been in practice 13 years and the last like three or four price increases, we did not touch anybody who was currently a committed patient. So what that means is, and we are like 75% wellness. Um, so what that means is that here we are in 2023 and I literally have some patients, a family of four or five that have been coming weekly since, oh, this is important. In 2021, I lowered my prices and I was so proud. Uh, so the only people, so I, what I did is I lowered it on wellness care and for families of three, four, five or more. And my thought was if we could get the amount that they're paying us a month for their family basically below a certain level. And the level for us in Rice Lake, Wisconsin, where the median income for a family is like 70,000 and 60% of kids are on Medicaid is going to be different than someone, you know, in Dallas. But like, so for me, I was like, you know what, if we can get a family, their Cairo monthly budget being like less than a certain amount, when it comes time to, oh, we have to cut back expenses. Did you hear me just say, oh, by the way? I just said, hope <laughs> that I was imitating what a North Wisconsin, you know, so if we could fly below the radar, then when that family needs a new vehicle or when they need to save up for a new house or someone gets let go, they would just not get rid of chiropractic. If I was cheap enough, they just wouldn't quit care. And I can tell you, I need everyone to listen because I ran this experiment for you for two years. That is not true. They cut you out anyway. They cut you out anyway. <laughs> I would actually say they cut us out more. I mm. think our our uh, retention during that time was actually worse uh, because there was just no value. Like it was like, oh, like there's not like they didn't have to decide whether or not they wanted to pay $15 for an adjustment because when they did, they did. And then when it was like, Ugh, like, um, and so in 2021, we took everyone families of three, four five and went as low as we could. And we, so we had people who were grandfathered in and we're like, no, 
your price is going down. Like they're like, yeah, it was so fun for the front desk. It was like Christmas day, being able to take this family that you truly care about and be like, well, your price is changing. It's now $3 cheaper per person. So then fast forward to 2023, we were in a pickle because people were just, they were just insanely cheap insanely cheap. And um, some people quit and some people didn't. And so we knew we had to increase across the board. We couldn't do the grandfather in because we had done that for so long. And um, we literally, you know, our cost per adjustment, we ran that number and it was like 23 something. Um, And we had people, a lot of families paying less than that. And I was like, we have to universally across the board, increase it. And so how we decided how much to increase um, uh, was just based on like how much of that profit margin I wanted to span. So for an individual or a family of two, we didn't increase it that much because we were already profitable by like $7 per adjustment on that. And I was like, okay, Um, but like the three, fours and five, I couldn't increase it as much as I technically should because they were so low. Like I was not comfortable with saying, okay, oh, Kirby was so mad. Not so mad. I mean, Kirby doesn't get that mad. But like he wanted to approach this from a numbers standpoint, like from a math, right? Of like, well, if we increase 10%, we can lose X amount of people and still be profitable, right? Like he wanted to do the smart math thing. Right. But where doctor prime, you know, he's not in clinic. He's not adjusting. He doesn't know these people that he's not adjusting them weekly for the last eight, nine years. And so like, I put my foot down and I was like, listen, CFO, no, I will not raise the price that much. This isn't just a math equation here. And so I, I was still a little emotional about it. And so like, that's where like some people might disagree of like, no, Kirby was right. Like you do the numbers and if you lose 40% of your patient list, but you are more profitable than you were, you're ahead. And I'm like, no, I can't do that. I can't do that. Yeah. That's like such a good point because it's so important that like, if there's a family that you've been seeing and you care about and they bring you joy, like, why would you want to lose them? Even if you might be losing a little bit of money, you're going to mm-hmm. make up for it from someone brand new who comes in and pays the new full fee. So it's like, it all to me always mm-hmm. balances out. And there are times, like if I think about people who are grandfathered in on their like monthly recurring revenue, I'm like, who cares? Like if you have like 20 plus thousand dollars of monthly recurring revenue of these people who've been with you for eight years, everything else is like just gravy on top of that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like we had decided, all right, this price increase is going to affect every single patient. But some of these people, like I sat down and basically had a list of like people. It's really funny. My patients don't listen to the podcast, but if they were, they were sure like I couldn't negotiate basically where like if they were at 25 and I'm like, okay, so with the new price increase, they should be up to 32 per person each times a family of four times four weeks a month. That's, you know, that's a big jump. And I would say like, all right, we have to, if they're at 20, I don't know what I said they were at 25. Let's say I said they were at, I would say to my staff, I want them to at least get to 28. Ideally they say 32. Yep. No problem. But like, we have to at least get them up 
a couple dollars type of thing. And like I said, we didn't rectify the full situation because we had gone so low. So we know that we'll need to do a second price increase for our larger families, probably closer towards the end of 2024, um, because we just couldn't. <laughs> Like we, we were just like, oh, we're so far from where we should be. We can't jump that high. So jump we kind of did much. a step. Okay. So you already answered, do you grandfather people in? Um, and do you foresee a time where you wouldn't? Oh, that's a good one. I would say no, because I want to reward loyalty. It's like these people who are on a lower fee to me, it covers the cost of the adjustment. It's they're super easy. They show up once a week. They do what they're supposed to do. They don't complain a lot. Their card doesn't get declined. <laughs> to me, it's like, I feel like I should reward them mm -hmm. for the loyalty. So I would you made an assumption that their cost, what they're paying covers the cost of their adjustment that's but true it does never know what will happen I guess I don't know I think that people even some people who are on like our lowest grandfathered in price they've still discontinued mm -hmm. and so then I feel like people will continually discontinue but you'll continually replace like with new people at a higher fee so to me it's still all kind of evens out yep. um so I would stick with yes that I would continue okay. to grandfather in yeah I think that um, I will probably stick with like grandfather in, grandfather in, maybe grandfather in. Okay. Hey, you've missed our last three price increases. I got to bump you up a little it's bit time. type of thing. Yeah. Like I will say too, I didn't mention this, like when we went from like heavily discounted family and like if they were paid per visit and we totally got rid of that. So we don't have anyone who's paying like less than like a certain number in our office. So it's like, if people were paying like $20, $30, all those people, like their fee was raised like three or four years ago. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of already been done. So I feel like the grandfathered in fee is already higher than definitely where we were five years ago. Yeah. So, I mean, that is, then that's a completely different equation of like, if your cost per adjustment is $26 and you've got someone who's grandfathered in at 16, yes. um, you know, then it's like, okay, do you want to pay $10? You know, and, and people get like, well, you're not really paying $10. And it's like, no, -uh, you're, you're not, but you are like, you are type of thing. So it's yeah. Okay. So next question. Did your staff fight you on raising prices? Never. And mm -hmm. I, I think that was surprising to me too, because, well, I think your, your team sees more than anyone, like, how much work goes on behind the scenes of like just even seeing patients, running payments, making sure their care plans are right, like keeping up with their appointments. So anytime I've suggested a price increase, my team was always 100% on board as far as like, yeah, I know the value that we provide. I know like what other people are charging. And I know that like the experience that we provide is different than anywhere. So I've really never gotten any slack they've always been like yeah let's go oh that's awesome okay so yeah. I definitely can offer a different perspective to that then um so like I said in our area 60 percent of kids are on the state Medicaid and Wisconsin Medicaid is 
uh, kind of amazing for the patient. They get, so this is how it works. So you get somewhere between 23 to $26 per adjustment from them. Um, and the patient gets 20 visits where they get a, they have a $1 copay. Once they get to number 20, you can take a 30 day break from submitting. And then you, a lot of docs will rearrange the code. So like, you know, M99 one through four. Okay. And then 30 days later, it's four through one. And all of a sudden you get a whole new 20 visits. It has been this game, like that's just like a game, right? Like, um, and it's been that way since we got out of network in 2017 or 18, because I just looked at it. And I'm like, holy cow, this is just an audit waiting to happen. Like there's no way I could defend. So for, so 60% are on this amazing insurance where they have a dollar copay and we're the only pediatric clinic like north, like within a 40 mile radius. And so my staff kind of getting back to the question, they really struggle. They struggle with the poverty complex because they do, um, they hear the new patient stories of like, you know, they connect with that mom uh, and how she's at her wits end with her baby who won't stop crying. And, you know, like, and everybody recommended us. And then they're like, okay, well, let's find a time to get you on. And they're like, oh, wait, do you take, do you take Medicaid? And they have to be like, no. And so like, and they, those patients don't get on, you know, and we've worked on the new patient phone call. So anyone who's like, you should be, believe me. Um, and so they, they see, they really struggle with the like, if we do this, how many patients are we going to lose? They knew that like, the patient isn't likely to complain to me. The patient is likely going to go up to the front desk and be like, oh, I saw you're increasing your prices. Okay, well, we're going to need to take a break from care. Um, and then they were going to have to tell me, hey, the Smith family quit care. And then like, I would be upset. Yeah, out of them, but like sad, you know? And so um, I think it definitely created this, you know, that's something that we, I had to help them like overcome that mindset every single time that we've done it because they don't, they don't want to. I think one of, uh, that would be so hard. And as you're talking, I was thinking in Alabama, Medicaid doesn't have chiropractic coverage. So it's been like, honestly a like a blessing because it's never been like a decision that had to be made by us mm -hmm. it was like the state made the choice that if you have medicaid you don't have chiropractic coverage so that would be so hard especially to go from like seeing medicaid patients knowing that like they have this great coverage knowing that you're making a big difference and then it's like yeah, we just have to tell people we don't we don't take it anymore. And we're the only chiropractor, like in your case, who sees kids. So that would be really mm -hmm. difficult. Yeah. So, okay. So how would you, what would be your advice to someone who is like my front desk? It has a really bad attitude about increasing prices. It's obviously coming from a poverty complex because they don't, you know, because a lot of our, all of our staff gets free care. So like, let's just call a spade a spade. Your staff doesn't have to choose 
whether or not they would pay $60 for an adjustment. And the the research is, is you give someone something for free and they value it less. So like, how would you, what would you say to a doc who's really struggling with staff that has a bad attitude about raising prices? A couple of thoughts. One, I think if you have a staff with bad attitude, you have a couple mm-hmm. more problems. Mm-hmm. But okay, also, you. I, for me, I take my team to seminars with me so that they can be like immersed in the same like concepts that I'm hearing about. Like, was there a time where I struggled with a money mindset and a money issue? Yes. And I, I've also never paid for chiropractic care myself. So it's like, you know, you have to also, you go from being like adjusted in school for free and taking care of people for free. And then now you have to charge for it. So I would say that we as chiropractors have also gone through that ourselves with like finding the value behind it. So how do you teach your team that? I think you need to immerse them in some sort of like mindset culture, some sort of seminar, a book. Um, Also, sometimes like, we had a meeting once about launching a new product and someone on my team was like, but I couldn't afford that. And I was like, but it's not for you. It's for like, you wouldn't be the person that necessarily we're targeting. So I think that's important too, of like, who are we trying to help? Who are we trying to reach? Uh, something with kids too. I have one child and that was a very conscious decision. I can afford my lifestyle with one child. I didn't choose to have five or six kids. And so that can also be like a mindset shift too of like, I made decisions in my life so that like, would I want to have more kids? Yes. Do I want to pay for them? Heck no. So it's like, I decided that one kid fits my lifestyle and that's what I chose to do. So it's like people make decisions and then they also are open to make decisions on like, can we fit this into our budget? Can we not? And so your team can also see that too. Like, well, this is a decision that they make if the value is there or not. Oh, you're making me so uncomfortable, but like in a good way. Um, Cause you're, you're kind we're kind of circling back to, Oh God, you this initial issue or where we talked about where it's like, are you like, just because they have a large family doesn't mean if they're not choosing to value chiropractic, that's not, your responsibility that yes, they like, can afford was, it as i was saying that i was like i probably sound like a jerk no but- like it's it's um it's a harsh thing that we have to talk about for businesses if you sold like does apple care okay so let's remove the life-changing miracle that is an adjustment does apple care that not Every family is going to be able to give their child an iPad for Christmas. Right. And so like, we don't need to be Apple, but like, also it comes back to, I know that you want chiropractic to, I want, you want everyone to experience chiropractic, but I think sometimes, sometimes I think that, so you have to sell chiropractic, right? Like, we, we have to, that's not, a, I think that is like, and instead of educating on value and sitting with the possibility that I did my best to communicate the value of what this can be. And they still said, no, they still said, we can't afford it. 
or we choose not to afford it, that's really uncomfortable for a chiropractor because then they have to sit in this. So it's just easier, just easier to make it so cheap that they don't have to say they, the patient doesn't have to be uncomfortable and therefore you can stay comfortable. And the patient go like, okay, well, sure. I can, so all of my family can get adjusted for $10. Sure. Sounds good. I can say yes to that, you know, type of thing. And so it's, it's, it's growth. It's discomfort. It's, it's, it's so much, and there is no wrong. Like, I don't want anybody who's like, but I am happy with giving $10 adjustments. Like, okay, cool. That's, I don't want to, I never want anybody to feel shame or judgment from the podcast, but it is just like things you have to think about of like, okay, you know, you're making those decisions, but at least make them from an educated standpoint, knowing the road you're on versus like you and us, you and I shared our story of like, where we were like, oh shit. I didn't even realize, like I got myself painted into a corner and, you know, now I have to figure out how to get out of this. Yeah. And then it's also when you see a lot of patients too, the like option of an injury or an illness, it just like extrapolates. And so for me, I literally, my foot started hurting last August and I was just continually like using my right foot to pop my table. And so I'm like, something's up with my foot, something's up with my foot. So I also got to this mindset point of like, if I continue to do what I'm doing, I will not be practicing very long mm -hmm. because I physically won't be able to kick my table, like use the foot pedal. So it's like, okay, where does taking care of myself and my family come into play before taking care of everybody else? Mm -hmm. And so if you're like, just I need to see as many people as I possibly can. What kind of health position does that eventually put you in? And eventually it can really burn you out mentally, physically lead to injuries and you can end up broke. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, okay. So how did you communicate this to patients? So you decided you're increasing your prices. How'd you communicate it? Um, we just told them, so <laughs> we were like, Hey, and then we also like, like you know, with a sign on the door, no, a text? we oh. never put up a sign. And that was where you said you had like a list. We also had a list. And so we were like, this is the list of people that their price won't change. And we also want to let them know, Hey, we've grandfathered you in, but just so you know, we have raised our price because we also wanted them to know, like, we are raising our fee. If you refer someone in and the fee is different, that is why we also want you to know that we appreciate you, that we super value you, that you've been like loyal to us. So we had a list of people that we didn't tell. And then the other people who we were raising their fee, if they were pay per visit or whatever that was, hey, just so you know, starting uh, at your next visit, like we also weren't like in a month or in three months, we were like next like, time, you next time. Yes. Next time you come in, we've raised our fee and this will be your new price. And so if they're like, oh, um, okay, that's fine. Most people said that if there were people who we got pushback from, we're like, we totally understand the price of everything is increasing as you've probably noticed. And, you know, we just need to do this. We haven't had a price increase in so long. And that's mm -hmm. what we would so say. So it was like hand-to-hand -hand combat for- yes. Okay. How did your staff have time for that? Because like, if it's increasing next visit, like they're probably having 30, 40 conversations in an afternoon. 
Yes. Uh, well, most people are on already on care plans or wellness plans. So that eliminates all of that. So it's mostly like the pay per visit people and they would just pull them aside really quickly and be like, Hey, just so you know, we are increasing our prices. And it was just a super fast. Oh, I suppose if a lot of them, yeah, if a lot of them yeah. were on being great. So for us this last time, like I said, it was affecting everybody. So previous ones where it was like, ah, it's just going to be on new patients. And so like when the new patients graduate to wellness, they won't even know it's a price increase. Um, and <laughs> so this time it was like completely different. And it, we put a lot of thinking into like, okay, how do we want to do this? We want to rip off the band-aid, but we need to do this in an organized fashion. So because like one thing, you know, people will get upset about an increased price. They'll definitely get upset about you accidentally charging them something wrong or too early, or they didn't fully understand. Like, um, and so we wanted to make sure we really went about it strategically, um, trying to not piss off as many people as possible. So we sent out a mass text to all of our wellness people. So all of our people who I would call active care, who were like under three times a week, they didn't receive really anything because as soon as they graduated to wellness, they would just have the new prices. They wouldn't, it wouldn't, you know, um, but all of our people who are on weekly and biweekly care got a text. Um, we attached the new pricing to the text. So like we had an image that said like, as of this date, and we put it out a month. Um, so we did that because we knew we were going to need to have some conversations and we were going to like, so we use cash practice. So like people had an auto payment scheduled for let's say a hundred dollars a week for the next six months. So if we were changing it, so now it's going to be 110, we needed to cancel that then set up a new one and they had to sign it. So we had like all of these, all of these like commitments, because you can't just not have someone sign that like you're going to start charging your credit card. Yeah, 10, yeah right. <laughs> um, and so we, you know, wrote like, we were very careful in our wording. Chat GPT was extremely helpful. We didn't want to be too apologetic, but we didn't want to be, you know, because at a certain point, like you said, everything's increasing. Like you don't need to be like, whoa, is me. I'm the worst chiropractor in the world. I'm charging you more. Um, but you know, it was less is more, um, with a blanket of, you know, like a little hug wrapped in there and talk to us by this date, if you have questions. So we kind of put it on them that like, so I think we said that date was about a week before the pricing was going to go into effect. Um, so they, we just sent it out and waited. And as patients came for their appointments over the next three weeks, um, they would come up if they had questions and we would explain like, yep, here's what it's going to be. Uh, most people did not. And, you know, so once we got to that date that we had told them, oh, and we also put some signs in clinic that said, as of September 15th, all prices for wellness patients will be changing. Talk to the front desk if you have questions. And so let's say September 15th was the date. And let's say September 7th was when we said you have to come talk to us. So as of like September 8th, our team just started changing. Like, all right, if you haven't talked to us, we assumed that you saw it and you're fine. And then had it prepared for them to sign their new auto debit at their next visit. Does that make sense? Did I explain that in a way that makes sense, Nikki? Yeah, it's great. Okay. I love it. I was like, because yeah. sometimes you're in your own systems where you're like, people know what that is talking about. Um, 
so like we were much more this time you know, we've definitely done times where we you know didn't have to be as like out and open about it and this time we were just like all right we just have to rip this off kind of like a band-aid and be like hey this is what's happening this is you know and we would definitely we had a bunch of patients who had been grandfathered in who responded to that text like does this affect me? me? <laughs> and yeah. so one of the things we had to do is because I didn't, I wanted my, you know, I have five different staff members who were going to be responding to texts and I am very systems oriented. That's like a nice way of saying I have control issues when it comes to how we respond to things, you know, um, Ritz Carlton's book talks about like how you respond to issues can often leave a good or bad taste in someone's mouth. Um, and so I said, like, you know, these are the questions. So we brainstormed before we sent out the text, All right? What kind of questions do we think patients are going to come up to the front desk and say, or text back? And so then we like had it written out so they could just copy and paste. Like, so if someone says like, does this affect me? <laughs> like, did you mean me that I, my price is going up? They knew exactly. They would just copy and paste like, yes. Um, pricing is across the board. Like I remember what it was, but it, you know, it was very, mm -hmm. yep. Yep. You, you <laughs> so I have a question that I think people yeah. are probably wondering, but like how many of those people were like, no, that doesn't work for me. Or was it the majority like wholly understand? Cool. Yes. Um, I want to say that because we kept track, uh, so of, like 700 families uh it was like 60 somewhere it was like less than five percent that's great yeah. so I, so it was yeah. somewhere between I can't remember where it like finally ended but like when I like checked in after like a majority it was somewhere around five or six percent um which hurts it hurts like that hurts. That's, you know, and you see your numbers, like you see that percentage, you know, if you're seeing 500 a week and you lose 5%, you're now sub 500, you're 475. And you're like, Oh, no, I don't like, you know, um, I don't know if I did math correct. I think I did. But like, so it's not that that's nothing. But like, definitely Kirby was in my ear of like, yeah, but we did a X percent increase, like we're still right. more profitable. And so most people, though, like I said, if it's 6%, 80, no, 94% were like, yeah, okay. Sounds good. You know, and I think there was a percent. Oh, I'm glad you asked that because we had people that we knew if they said, I'm not doing that, we were going to try and work with them. Their price was going up. It was absolutely going up because 100% of people were not going to, or were going to be touched by this, but we were going to work with them. Right. So like, we have some people who would, uh, they would de generally call once a month or come in once a month, but like we're not scheduled. They like to schedule their own. And so their price per adjustment was supposed to go up to 45 and it was a family of four. We would say like, if you're willing to schedule out once a month for the next nine months, we can bump you instead of all the way up to 45, we can bump you up to 40. You know, they were like at 36 and they were supposed to go up to 45. Um, and so we like had some of that stuff. And so some of those people were like, okay, yep, that works. But some people, even though we were like, hey, 
we don't want to, because this was in the phrasing of our staff when they had somebody that was clearly like not happy about this. Like, you know, they would say things like, well, we might have to reconsider how often we're coming, or we might have to reconsider care. Our staff didn't say like, yep, well, you do you, Gina. Uh, they, they were equipped to respond with like, let's talk at your next visit and see what you can do. I know Dr. Lauren cares about your family and does not want to lose you in this price increase. So like our staff was, you know, they, and some people, they just, they were ready to leave. So this price increase felt like almost an exfoliation. We yes. knew uh, we were going to be going from three docs down to two. Um, we found out about, and that was actually kind of nice is we found out one month before our price increase was supposed to happen, like around the same week that we were going to be announcing it, that one of our doctors was moving. And so we were like, oh, well, all the more reason now to like feel like, yeah, we have to do this. But some people, they were just looking for their out. They were nice people who loved us. We hadn't done anything to them and they didn't necessarily have the like nice out of like, oh, my husband lost his job <laughs> or, you know, like yeah. <laughs> um, they just didn't want to come anymore. And this was their out. And so it really felt like every single person that we said, like, hey, your price is going up four dollars. Hey, your price is going up. And they were like, oh, OK, yeah. it was like they recommitted like, oh, they they like us. They're sticking around. They're not, because if they were going to quit, this was their, their opportunity. opportunity. Yeah. So that's definitely something that, you know, like we had to talk about as a team of like, you know, did, did you say that like we would work with them? Yeah. I told them we would work with them. They just said like, they just need to take a break for a while. And it's like, yep, that's okay. That's okay. Let them go type of thing. And when they come back, whatever. So um, okay. So what do you say when someone says they're going to quit with the price increase? Well, I already kind of shared. So what would you, you know, with the people that you had to say it to, like, what did you say to them or what did your staff say? Kind of like same thing as you, like, we want to sit down and talk to you. And there are, of course, people we would work with just like you, um, beauty of you making the rules for your practice, but same thing. We would just tell them, like, we totally understand if you ever decide that you want to come back, we're always here for you. We'll keep your file open for six months. And then if you decide to return in the future, we'll gladly take you back. Oh, that's your, Oh, I love hearing. So you say, we'll keep your file open for six months. Yes, because then that also kind of now puts because that in their mind, they're like, okay, well, if I decide to come back, I have six months to make this decision. And then if someone's like, well, what happens in six months? It's like, well, we'll just start you as basically a new patient. Nobody wants to go through that again. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to pay for that again. So that's fine. We'll keep this file active for six months. And then if you decide to come back, you're dead to us after six months, basically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then don't come back. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay, so then what was the biggest surprise that you faced while increasing prices? How many people did not question it. Mm -hmm. Like Me too. even new patients who called and didn't know what we used to charge and then what we were charging now. It's like, you expect that everyone's going to be like, oh, that's expensive. But that never happened. I think it happened a few times, but to me, the biggest surprise is that people understand that this is actually a business that 
prices increase everywhere, especially over the past two years, just how receptive people actually were and how a lot of people were like, oh yeah, like I've been waiting for that to happen or, you know, so yeah. How many people are actually receptive of that you are running a business and not just, you know, giving away stuff for free? 100%. I would agree. That was the biggest surprise of just like, I would like come up to my front desk after the end of the shift and be like, what did the Smiths say? What did they, did they? And they're like, oh, they said, okay. And I was okay. like, oh, they did. Okay. Like the Smiths were on a list. I was like willing to negotiate, like they could have gotten it cheaper. <laughs> you know, like everything. And, um, and I was like, oh, okay. What is the biggest hurdle you faced while increasing prices? I think for me, it was a mindset thing. <laughs> like, Even though my team was okay with it, they're not necessarily the ones like presenting a care plan and physically asking for this money. So for me, it was a mindset shift of just slowly increasing over the years and then doing a pretty big jump, but understanding what value that we do bring as chiropractors to people's livelihoods. I think that was my biggest hurdle was mm -hmm. me accepting it because I was uncomfortable. Like it's uncomfortable to be like, this is what we're charging. And if you don't like it, sayonara. Yeah. I think my staff would say I was the biggest hurdle too. Yeah. So like, you know, we did all this prep work and like, I was like, yeah, here's the facts. Here's, here's the facts. Everyone's going to get affected. And then like, once it was like in play, I was like, what did so-and-so say? Oh, just say this. And they're just like, you get out of here, get out of here and just this. let us yeah. do our work. And I'm like, oh, okay. 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 So, control issues. So, um, okay. Was there anything, any questions that you think we didn't cover um, that someone didn't write in any issues? I think so I think we covered a lot of good, good stuff. So I do too. I think one more thing that I've been thinking about is one time, one of my coaches at the end of the year, it was last year. I said, I did 300,000 more dollars than I did the year before. And he said, what was your patient volume? And so I looked, I said, it was a little bit more but not much. And he said, for 2023, I want you to collect the same revenue and see less people. And it was the hardest mindset shift I've ever had in my entire career. Because again, volume numbers, that's all that matters. And so even still now I'm like, Oh, we saw less patients this week, but it's like our revenue is the same. And it's like this, just, if you can get your head wrapped around that, it's not just volume that matters, that it's literally the whole picture of owning a business. And once you can really start to understand how business works, how profitability works, why revenue matters, all those things, you're, I mean, it will just be easy to raise your fees. Yeah. Easier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I a thousand percent agree. Um, and it's just, it's the mindset shift that a lot of Kairos, unfortunately, especially family cash Kairos have to make. So, well, thank you so much, Nikki. So Nikki, if, uh, where can someone, if they have a question, where can they find you? How do you want people to reach out to you, follow you? Uh, on Instagram, my handle is D-R-N-I-K-K-I-C-O-T-T-I-S, Dr. Nikki Cottis. I'd say that's the easiest way. You can message me there. You can ask me any questions. I'll be happy to talk to you about all of the mistakes that I made and how we're fixing them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and hey, you are a grad of the my first multi-passionate chiropreneur, my like 
first class. So thank you so much for like trusting me. Um, we are in process of onboarding our second class. Um, do you, did you like it? Will you say I loved it? Yeah. (laughs) If you have the opportunity to totally apply, be on the wait list. And I was just thinking how one of the biggest things I took away from your course is that like, A, you can make money outside of chiropractic, but B, I know I talked to you a lot about how I was in this, like keeping up with the Joneses and this, like, like go, go, go make as much money as possible kind of thing. And, but you taught me how to really balance between chiropractic, um, my personal life, building a business, taking that money. And what are you going to do with it? Because what's the purpose of having all this money if you don't have a plan for it? Mm -hmm. So if you're in a position where you want to know, what do I do with overflow of money? How do I improve profitability? What are other ways that I could actually make money besides busting my butt over the side of a table every single day of my life? You should absolutely take Lauren's And I did not warn Nikki at all. And nor did I pay her for that. I'm just like, oh, I'm just going to surprise you right now. Nikki, thank you so much for your time, love. You are so smart. um, And I am just happy to call you a friend. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right, She Slayers. Until next week. Bye. Hey, She Slayers, are you looking to get your team off the phone and streamline your front desk so you can spend more time doing what you love? SCED has exactly what you're looking for. They will automate all your appointment reminders, missed appointment reminders, reactivation campaigns, allow you to have two-way texting with your patients. Plus, they have a very cool app that your patients are going to love. The app alone saves chiropractors tons of time because it gives patients the flexibility to move appointments to a time that works better for them. Don't worry, you won't lose control of your schedule because you'll have access to all the parameters that keep you still in control. Plus, there's overbook protection, so your schedule won't get out of hand. SCED was created by a chiropractor for chiropractors, so you can rest assured that you're getting the absolute best system for your office. Dr. Eric Kowalki is committed to the chiropractic mission, and he works closely with his developers to always be innovative so that we have the best system available. If you're hesitant to switch to SCED because you already use something else, let me tell you, it's worth every penny. Plus, mention that you heard about it on my podcast and they'll give you a discount. Seriously, it is a game changer. Don't wait.